It's Monday in the North Shore Drive podcast here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm Chris Carter, joined by Ray Fittipaldo. We'll talk about the Steelers' uses of Minka Fitzpatrick and why that might actually be a problem for the Steelers' defense. We'll talk about that. We'll also address the Matt Canada situation updated after, after the bye week. And we'll also go over an AFC North weekend where the rest of the division swept and what that might mean for the Steelers. It's the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, we, we bring to you our, our episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, getting you ready for, for your week all, week all week long, getting you all our Pittsburgh sports content. You can get daily content here on your favorite podcasting app and from on this YouTube channel from Post Gazette Sports from all of our content. But again, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, the North Shore Drive podcast. As I said before, we're joined by Ray Fittipaldo. We'll get to talk a lot of Steelers today. But first, we got to remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. You go to Mike's Beer Bar on the North Shore. They're right across the street from PNC Park on Federal Street. You can you can use one of their 20 televisions to watch any sporting event, whether it's NFL, college football, basketball, hockey, soccer. They have all the events there, and you can even reserve tables with a, with a TV dedicated to your game. They also have over 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers being local, and 80 of those local beers being available on tap. Let's get into a few Steelers points here, though. Ray, you wrote in in a story that that came out this uh, going into this week about Minka Fitzpatrick, and you said free Minka, and you talked about his usage and how the Steelers are using him. He hasn't had an interception yet this year, and that's such a huge part of what the Steelers' defense has been when it's been in its best is his ability to make interceptions, to create turnovers, to get the Steelers the ball back. What are the Steelers do? What are the Steelers doing with Mika Fitzpatrick? That's kind of maybe holding him back from doing that this year. Well, they're they're moving him around the secondary. He's he's been in the slot um, a bunch more this year um, than in previous years, um, and he's just had to uh, provide more run support than than what they would like. I mean, I I think it's reminiscent of the 2021 season when the Steelers were really bad um, against the run. Um, he's forced to come up into the box and he's forced to make tackles. Um, and they're not really in those um, ideal downs and distances where he can sit back there and play center field and uh, do the things that uh, he does best. So until the Steelers start stopping the run, I don't know that it's going to change all that much. But, you know, there is one thing that can change it, Chris. I think if, if Joey Porter Jr. does get more of a role on the outside, that would free up Patrick Peterson to go inside and I think they would have some better matchups and then Minka, you know, could move back to, um, you know, his best role. But I just don't see how it's going to change until that run defense changes. Last year, Minka Fitzpatrick played about 64 percent of his snaps at free safety, about 11 percent of his snaps in the slot. Last year, he totaled over over all 18 or 17 games, 112 snaps at, at slot corner. This year, he already has 101 snaps. Right now, he's sitting at about 42% of his snaps at free safety, about a third of his snaps at um, at slot corner. And that's a, that is such a stark difference, and it makes you wonder, like, man, the Steelers really have a problem here. And I, I, it's a thing that I've been bringing up on this show, on a lot on other shows. I've been bringing this up consistently on Twitter. I, I think it's a it's a mistake of the Steelers 
to have to force Minka Fitzpatrick out of the role where he's elite. And listen, he's good at slot corner. Like he's helping them there. He's 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 bringing run support. He's doing those things there. But he's at his best. He's at his most useful when he's just being that center fielder that like you talked about. He's making plays on the ball. He's reading quarterback's eyes and he's directing the whole defense. When he has to go up in the trenches and help there, that takes away from his ability to be that big playmaker. And that takes away a big playmaking ability of the defense, which this defense is built around getting turnovers. Um, and it makes you wonder what else can they do to maybe put a, put a role there. Maybe Joey Porter Jr. being outside and Patrick Peterson could be an answer there. But, you know, I think this also comes down to Shannon Sullivan, who hasn't really helped at slot corner. I mean, twice he got beat by Nelson Aguilar in the Steelers' last game against the Ravens. One time it led to a catch. Another time it led to a drop pass that could have been a touchdown. I think the Steelers need to explore any options they can get to get better corner black play in the slot. Could that be Desmond King? Could that be Patrick Peterson? Could that be Elijah Riley? I don't know. But, Ray, I think that's a big part of the problem here is that they're having Minka Fitzpatrick come up and help in places that he used to never have to help in. Yeah, and listen, Chris, that's what the bye week is for. They're going to sit down. They're going to look at what they did over the first five games, and they're going to make adjustments. So maybe this is the time that Desmond King um, gets more of a role. He's kind of been uh, a guy who's just dressed for special teams, um, you know, since they picked him up uh, just before week one. So, you know, we'll see if that is a potential change this week. Um, you know, before Sunday's games, they were tied for second in the league with 11 turnovers, but mm. only five of those were interceptions. And right. you just wonder, you know, six fumble recoveries, you know, the ball has to bounce your way an awful lot um, to get those types of turnovers. So, you know, is, is that sustainable? Can you continue to lead the league when your best playmaker isn't involved in, in creating those turnovers and when your run defense is that bad? I don't think so, but they've actually done a really good job of creating turnovers under less than ideal circumstances. Would you say part of the problem here involves um, the Steelers maybe not having a Terrell Edmonds, a guy that they can rely on at strong safety here as much as they have with Keanu Neal and DeMonte KZ? Because last year, Edmonds took up about about twenty percent of his snaps. Was also in the in the sl at slot corner where he could help against the run and he could fit in there. And listen, Edmonds wasn't a a turnover creator. That was maybe his biggest critique from the Steelers was that he didn't he didn't do those things. But he at least helped you against the run. He was often in position to at least you know take up take up space and guard guys against the pass underneath. And that was a role that. I think the Steelers haven't really found an answer for just yet in their defense. And that's part of what Minka Fitzpatrick's trying to make up for is the problem also involving the other safeties on the Steelers roster right now. Yeah. Uh, DeMonte KZ is not that type of safety. He's smaller um, in stature. He's actually a guy throughout the course of his career who's created a lot of turnovers. So he's probably more um, adept at playing free than he is strong safety. And then you have Neil, who's probably playing about half the snaps. I, I think he and KZ are fairly even in their snap distribution. Now, he is a bigger guy, um, but for whatever, whatever reason, they haven't felt comfortable, um, you know, replacing, uh, you know, switching roles with Minka when, when they're in there all the time. So, you know, Grady Brown talked about it last week. He didn't seem to think this was all, you know, a, as a result of the poor run defense. He kind of made mention of the, the moving parts in the secondary there. Um, that was kind of his excuse for it. But I, you know, I, I just say what, whatever the reason is, you got to do everything within your power to put Minka Fitzpatrick in the role where he can help this defense best. And that's not in leading the team in tackles. I mean, it, it's great that he could take on that role, but 
Um, they're paying them $18 million a year to create turnovers, um, to set up the offense, to score touchdowns. I mean, since he arrived, Chris, he has four defensive touchdowns. Um, he's not getting thrown at this year, and he's not really in a position to make those uh, those great defensive plays. So they got to figure out a way to fix that. I agree. That's a big point here that I think the Steelers could do to help themselves on the defensive end here, but they also have to get back to stopping the run. We'll get to that later in the week, but I got to talk to you about Matt Canada because as always, he is a big talking point in Pittsburgh to the point that he's becoming a cultural phenomenon. It seems like we'll get to what we want to talk about there on the other side of the break here, the North shore drive podcast from the Pittsburgh post-gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter here with Ray Fittipaldo, one of our great Steelers beat writers at the post-gazette. But first want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's beer bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh, and it's the, my favorite place to go to. When you, we, Whether you're in the North Shore for a Steelers game or a pit game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town, as well as amazing food options. They have over 20 televisions where you can catch all your NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, hockey, uh, soccer action. All of it can be done right at Mike's. You can even call ahead, reserve a table with a TV designated to the game that you want to watch, or even maybe a late night fight that you want to catch on UFC or something else like that. Mike's will help you out and get you, and get you any game that you're trying to find. They also have the best beer selection in town, 500 different available beers. Pittsburgh's known for having many amazing breweries. Mike has over 300 beers available from local breweries available right in Pittsburgh. 80 of those local beers can be gotten on tap, so you can mix and match and try whatever beers you want across the city and figure out what's your favorite. They also have amazing food options like their steak on a stone meal where you can get a steak of your cut of your choice brought to you on a heated stone where all you have to do is just press it into the stone for a couple seconds and you can choose how well you want your steak done with every single bite. It's the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. That's Mike's Beer Bar. Go to Mike's Beer Bar today for the best for the best bar experience in Pittsburgh. And t- when you get there, tell them Chris sent you. We're also brought to you by the Great Yinzer Tailgate which is bringing the best of the Berg to South Point on November 4th, showcasing Pittsburgh's rich culture, iconic sports history, and vibrant community spirit. The Great Yinzer Tailgate will immerse you in the unique blend of traditions that make Pittsburgh legendary. Visit www.thegreatyinzertailgate.com for details. See Yins there. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, let's get into some Matt Canada talk here. And listen, I get that there's a lot of the Steelers offensively. They are still struggling. A lot of people are upset about it. But it is becoming a cultural phenomenon to chant fire Matt Canada at everything. I'm starting to think it's going to be stunned at the Pledge of Allegiance at elementary schools now in Pittsburgh because you've seen it at the last two home games the Steelers have had. They've chanted fire Matt Canada. Crazy enough, they've won both of those games. Then at all three of the Penguins' first games in the regular season, you saw at the season opener that they had, they chanted fire Matt Canada going into the third period. After the D.C. game, there was videos of the Penguins fans. They met up on the steps that they always do after uh, the, the Penguins play the Capitals, and they were chanting fire Matt Canada there. Then again, on the on the last game that they played, there was another fire Matt Canada chant, and now it's becoming a, like a meme. Uh, so I, I feel like it's taking on a life of its own to chant fire this offensive coordinator. And listen, Ray, you and I have talked about Matt Canada, his shortcomings, what may be his fault, what may not be his fault all year long. But this feels like this has become so much bigger than just play calls or what's actually the problem with the Steelers offense at this point. Yeah, you missed one too. There was a Steelers fan dressed in a Steelers jersey at a Bills tailgate. Oh, no. I don't know if he verbalized it, but he held up a sign 
Fire Matt Canada. And that's somehow, I don't know if it made its way on the national TV or not, but I saw it on social media on Monday morning. So uh, there you go. It's all the way up in Buffalo um, as well. Um, listen, I mean, Chris, I don't, I don't get it. I, I think it's probably a relatively small segment of the Steelers fan base um, that does this. Um, here's my point about this. Um, when the decision was made to bring back Matt Canada in January, the Steelers actually took the unusual steps to announce that via a press release that he was coming back. Typically, they don't do anything like that. I mean, if if there's no changes on the coaching staff, they're not gonna they're not gonna say anything. Um, but they went to that unusual step to to announce that he was back. At that point, if there was gonna be an issue with the offense this year. I thought automatically the the blame would shift to Mike Tallman and to Art Rooney II because mm-hmm. they're the ones ultimately ultimately who, who are making those decisions. Mike has total control of who is on his staff, and Art Rooney ultimately, you know, he, he's he runs the franchise. He is involved um, not only in day to day operations, but he's involved in every aspect of, of what happens down there. So, for whatever reason, I, I guess he's an easy target. Um, I don't know, but the fans continue to take it out on Matt Canada. To me, I think the blame should go on Mike Tomlin um, just as much. He's the one who brought him back. He's watched the same product now for two and a half years. Why isn't there any blame going on Mike Tomlin? I mean, I think, but I think this is also kind of an indictment of Mike Tomlin. It's like you know, there, you know, a lot of people are saying if the, if things don't change, those chants could become fire Tomlin chants. And my, my, I think Mike Tomlin he faces heat every single year. There's always the question, why is Mike Tomlin on the chopping block every single year? Even when they did make the playoffs in the AFC Championship games, there were questions. There were questions about that. And now you look at Matt Canada and his situation. And I, I think one thing that we, you know, we've talked about, like this wasn't really his offense in 2021. That was Ben Roethlisberger's offense. It was the same offense that was being run with Randy Feekner for the last two years. Very, very similar halls, very similar situations. Matt Canada was just kind of a placeholder for that. Last year, rookie quarterback, make makeshift offensive line, less so, like, you know, I'm not sure too many. I'm not sure if uh, Matt LaFleur or uh, Kyle Shanahan, who also didn't look too good on Sunday, um, I'm not sure if any offensive coordinator does a great thing. And Kyle Shanahan's a, a head coach now, but still, you know, talking about play callers, I just I think this this the play calling aspect of football has become such an overrated talking point in all of sports. People, oh, this is a great play call. Someone brought up just last week. Uh, I think it was the Lions and and the Niners. In fact, there was a there was a reverse pass to the tight end on a wheel route down the sideline, and and they were the exact same plays. They worked for big plays, big gains by both the Lions and, and the Niners, two offenses that are that are humming right now. And people are like, wow, that's an amazing play call. And then a Steelers fan was like, wow, Matt Canada would never call that. And then the person who stitched it together said, actually, Matt Canada was the first person who called this play. That was in the season opener of the Steelers last year against the Bengals. And it's like people wouldn't even think of that because they're so caught up in the the, you know, the 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 fact that the Steelers offense it is bad, but I keep making this point. The Steelers offense his biggest problem is execution. Kenny Pickett not seeing open wide receivers, the offensive line not being consistent. They they they, they have an execution point here. And Matt Canada, that's where I think his the bulk of his problems are. Is like I don't think that he's done a good job helping Kenny Pickett see the points of his offense. But by and large, I think that the whole conversation of play calls and this that and the third 
I, I think the biggest thing that you can do as a play caller is when there are successful things that your offense does, how often do you tap into it and how do you play off of that? I don't think there's just too much this too much consistent success that this offense has to build off in the first place. And that's not making an excuse for Canada. That's just a reality. What what's a what's a what's a thing that they do well enough on this Steelers offense that can give you something to build off like that? I, I think that I just yeah. the, the, that's where this conversation jumps off the rails and becomes a whole other thing about play calling when and it's, I don't think that's the biggest problem in this team right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, they, they certainly can't count on the running game with any consistency right now, and that's how they wanted to play. I mean, let's face it, they, they wanted to come in and run the ball this year and then do a lot of stuff off that, and uh, that just hasn't been there for them to execute that plan. You know, if, if he's going to lean into something here after the bye week, I think it's a great opportunity just to, to give Pickens the ball more. I also wrote about that today. Um, he, he is blossoming. He is getting more confident. He doesn't always have to be open. I know he preaches that, and I know sometimes that's a talking point. Well, he's double covered, but that guy made a lot of plays against the Ravens. I know it was single coverage, um, but that guy will go out and make plays for you. So I understand Deontay Johnson's back, but I'm not quite sure that George Pickens should move off that number one receiver role that he's occupied um, since Deontay's been on the IR. Um, Now, the second thing that they could do, I I don't have any real confidence that they're going to do it, Mm-hmm. So I think they could still they still have more room to get Jalen Warren involved in the offense. I mean, this guy is your second leading receiver. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands, whether he's it's as a runner or as a receiver out of the backfield. And they just seem to wait a little bit to get him involved in games. You know, doesn't really come in until the third series for the Steelers. That's usually after a couple of three and outs or a turnover. So, you know, why not switch that up? So I think that's what you're talking about, Chris. You know, you know. Matt might have his hands tied with his personnel. Matt might have his hands tied with what Mike Tomlin allows him to do. But there are a few things that he actually could do better. And I think getting Pickens and Warren more involved in the offense are two of those things. That is a good, that is a good question here because Jalen Warren, right now, he's getting about a third of the carries between him and Najee Harris right now. But he's more than doubling Najee Harris's targets in the passing game. And I also think... I wonder what your thoughts are on this too. We see a lot of the, the Steelers pass, you know, the times that the Steelers running backs are targeted are in the flat, just them going out. I, I think one of the things that could get this offense back to humming is stat is, is having those running backs just go, go, throw them, throw them the ball in the middle part of the field, you know, have them do a short hitch, like right in front of the line of scrimmage. And if it's covered, it's great, but then you're holding a linebacker or somebody at that level of, of, of the line of scrimmage. And then you can maybe create some space for a tight end or, or, or someone else over the top. And that's, it's, I think that's where you can say, okay, maybe back Canada can work those wrinkles into the offense. But back in 2014, when the Steelers offense was looking for any answers to kind of build on itself when the killer bees were still being formed. One of the things that unlocked that offense was Le'Veon Bell, not even running a great route, just stop, turn and right in front of the line of scrimmage, Ben Roethlisberger would get him the ball, and that would get him eight, ten yards sometimes. And I think that for both Harris and Warren, that's something both of them can do. And if defenses pay don't pay attention to it, it's easy yards. If they focus on it, that's going to open up the other the deeper parts of the field. I just think that that's another way to do it. And I don't think I think again to the point that you were making about the Steelers' offense and the run offense not not being there. And you made this point in your article that uh, that came out th- that came out today as well. You talked about forgetting finesse, finesse and needing to get back to being a physical team. I do think and this, this is my biggest – if there's one big critique I have on Matt Canada's play calling, it's that I think that they need to 
not fully abandon, but lean away from zone runs. I think they need to get back to just power runs saying, hey, you know, Mason Cole, he's struggling. Uh, he's struggling to win one on one and to create space. Have him run power run blocking run schemes, double team up with either James Daniels if he's back healthy or Nick, Nate Herbing on that side or with Isaac Sayomalu. But let this offensive line run off the ball. Let them get get into their steps. Don't let them be, you know, have to try to zone block at the line of scrimmage. That's not their that's not their specialty right now. They need to be playing, you know, playing downhill, creating space, winning space at the line of scrimmage so that Najee Harris and Jalen Warren can pick up steam get yards, and then the first defender they're coming into contact with is two, three yards beyond the line of scrimmage instead of behind the line of scrimmage, which that has happened a lot lately. That, I think, is like a real criticism of Matt Canada. But that's not the overwhelming problem for the Steelers' offense right now. They still need better decision-making from Kenny Pickett. They still need better blocking overall from, from the offensive line. And they and they need this group to find chemistry somewhere. There's still not one play call other than the deep post pattern to either Pickens or Austin that I've seen be a consistent threat for the Steelers to make big big plays or take over a game. Yeah, you need uh, – one thing we haven't touched on yet, man, I don't know if it's going to come to fruition this week because – Pat Fryermuth may or may not play, but Chris, he's got 53 yards in four games. You talk about the middle of the field. That's where Pat Fryermuth can help you out best. And if he's more involved in the offense, then I think everyone else can be uh, a little bit better too. That would open up Deontay Johnson upon his return. That would help out George Pickens. Um, that would help out even a guy like Allen Robinson, who at this mm -hmm. point in his career is very limited um, in what he can do. And also, you know, I, I understand that Calvin Austin was pressed – into duty in certain positions within that offense because of Johnson's injury, but he's not a good route runner, not at this stage of his career. You got to get him closer to the line of scrimmage, work some wide receiver screens with him, do what you do with him with Jalen Warren, get him the ball quick, let him make plays. He is not at this point, a good down the field route runner. And I just think he's miscast in that role. I agree that they, they could they could use that better. We'll talk about the AFC North that had a big weekend sweeping the NFL and going three and zero while the Steelers want to buy. What that does for the Steelers uh, after after this break here. But first, want to talk to you guys about our other other great sponsors, Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. They're mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers with over eighty five years of experience. Call them now for a free consultation at Savinas, Kane, and Gallucci. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co, where buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful because GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. you if you ever wanted to buy tickets for an event but you weren't comfortable with how much you were paying because you didn't know how it would look from the seats that you're about to buy well guess what game times app that you can download right to your phone allows you to see the view from those seats so that you know you're getting the exact right seats that you want even if you're buying these tickets up to the last minute even if you're buying these tickets up to an hour after the after the event has started because you're running late that's never an issue on game time and again game time is an app you download right to your phone it lets you it lets you book those 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 tickets with just two taps on the phone and when you're booking those tickets there's no hidden fees they're going to show you all the prices up front so that you're not tapping one button and saying okay this is an x amount of dollars and then there's extra money piled on top of that and you say like, where'd that come from game time wants to be up front and make sure that you get the right prices the right times and they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat if you if you go to game time right now and you get tickets if you find tickets to the same event at the same section in the same row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase or go to the website GameTime.co. Term ticket is apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
We're back here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, cut talking all things Steelers. Let's step away from the Steelers and let's look at the AFC North this weekend because, man, Ray, the Steelers could have had a few things roll their way this weekend to get some space in the AFC North. None of that happened. The Ravens win 24-16 over the Titans. I kind of saw that one coming. I wasn't so sure the Titans would play too well. Um, granted, they were both in London, and who knows how those games go sometimes. But the Seahawks, with two red zone possessions at the end of the game, down four, they opt to go for it on fourth down both times, and they miss both of them. If they just kick two field goals, they win that game. The Cincinnati Bengals are now 3-3, three and three, uh, while the Ravens are 4-2 and two at the top of the division. But even the Cleveland Browns, with a third-string quarterback out of the XFL and P.J. Walker, won over the San Francisco 49ers, handing the Niners their first loss, first loss 19-17 to 17 in, in Cleveland. And that, to me was the one that just kind of caught me way off guard. I, I, I could see Cincinnati beating the Seahawks. I, could, I, I predicted that the, the Ravens would beat the Titans. I thought there was no chance the Browns would win that game. And, yes, Christian McCaffrey was hurt. There were some questionable calls that saved the Browns in a lot of situations. But still, that was a game where Brock Purdy and uh, and Brandon Ayuk and Nick Bosa and Talafah, Fred Warner, all those guys, they were supposed to at least stop that from happening, and they didn't what was your takeaway from the AFC North sweeping the weekend yeah well first off isn't that what we thought was going to happen before the season started I I think I said you could see four teams within like between nine and eight and ten and seven or Mm -hmm. maybe the division winner um is 11 and six but um let's talk about the Browns a little bit um because I didn't think this defense was going to be this good this year I saw a, a stat this morning through five games They've given up the third fewest yards since the merger in 1970. Only the 1970 Vikings and the 1971 Colts gave up fewer yards in the first five games of the season. So Jim Schwartz has that unit playing really, really well. Um, To me, I think the Browns have to ask this question of themselves. I mean, it's not going to change when Deshaun Watson comes back, but are they somehow better with a different quarterback? Mm. Um, He doesn't make – you know. P.J. Walker wasn't making dumb mistakes like Deshaun Watson tends to make. Um, You know, so, hey, I mean, like, Chris, it's not going to change. They're paying the guy guaranteed $250 million. But when he does come back, I think he definitely has to sort of realize what his role role is within that team. And it might be like a Kenny Pickett role. Like, hey, don't screw it up. You know, we got a good defense. Don't go out there and throw picks and and take stupid sacks. So um, that was my biggest takeaway that the Browns, with their defense are probably going to be in this for the long haul. And they were the one team I was sort of unsure about, you know, you kind of knew the Bengals were going to come around. I think we all kind of knew the Steelers would hang around too, but I always have questions about the Browns, but now with their defense playing the way it is, I I think they're going to be in it for the long haul too. I I do think that there's a really good chance chance the Browns stick around. I just wonder, like you said, when Deshaun Watson comes back, I mean, the Steelers, you go back to that game, the Steelers won. They got 14 points off of Deshaun Watson, and and they also forced another fumble against him. P.J. Walker, yes, he threw two two interceptions. I'm not so sure that they'll get – that kind of defensive showing every game they get they got 28 points to the Lamar Jackson just the week just the game before this game against the Niners uh but I do think the Browns look a little bit better I also think the Bengals uh you know have taken a step up but what's crazy was I didn't think the offense was what won them the game the defense their their pass rush was serious against the Seahawks I thought that was a big step up from them but like you said this AFC North division it's going to be competitive down to the wire it's, it's another reason why the Steelers they need to keep stacking wins and keep up pace with the rest of the division 
And it's kind of a shame that the Steelers didn't get the Bengals early in the season when that calf really was an issue yeah. for Joe Burrow. It doesn't seem like it's as much of an issue now. I, I know they're still kind of struggling on offense, but Joe Burrow looks much better. And I think if you look at what's happened the past two years, the way they've um, performed in the second halves of seasons, um, I think the Bengals are still, even though they're three and three and in the last place right now, I still think they're the team to beat in the AFC North. It's going to be a tight race in the AFC North. We'll keep you up to date with all things Steelers here on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's Ray Fittipato. I'm Chris Carter. Thanks for tuning into the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll see you Wednesday with our next episode, keeping you up to date and seeing what Tomlin says on Tuesday as the Steelers get ready to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Keep up with us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description.